This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 15th, 2016. Holy living, be honoring. Good morning, Connection Church. What an incredible clip to introduce our theme for today, be honoring how President Nelson Mandela was honoring to every single person he met. So we pray that we can follow in his example. Well, as I said, good morning again. I'm going to say good morning again. My name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection and a sinner who's been saved by God's grace. Would you pray with me, please? Holy God, we thank you for this incredible day that you have set before us. May we use it wisely. Lord, I thank you for each person here. Open our hearts and our minds, our souls, um, just everything, so we can get all that you have for each one of us, and you have a lot for each one of us. Lord, let us be changed and transformed by your message, your message of love, your message of being honoring. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our theme this month is Holy Living. We're looking at the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament, and we've been examining what it means to be holy. That is being different, set apart for God's purposes, not our own. Today we consider how holy living, being set apart for God, calls us to be honoring So as we mentioned on week one of our series, the Apostle Peter wrote to the churches in Asia Minor to encourage them because of the persecution that they were facing. Peter has some very practical advice on how to live out their faith following the example of Jesus by being honoring in the midst of unjust treatment from their neighbors. We're going to begin today with 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, say the rest with me, so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. So Peter begins here by urging Christians in Asia Minor to resist the desires of their flesh that are like waging war within them. He urges them instead to live such honorable and good lives among their unbelieving neighbors. Now honoring those who are persecuting them would go completely against the desires of our flesh to lash out. That even though their neighbors accuse them of doing wrong, they will instead see how the believers live and glorify God. The focus here is on pointing non-believers to God by their honorable behavior, and that should be our focus as well. So here's a question right up front for us all to consider. If we look at our behavior this past week, was it honoring to everyone we met? Does our behavior, the things we say and do, 
point others to God or does our behavior turn others away from God? Is our behavior maybe lukewarm, neither pointing others toward God or away God? Did we honor everyone we met, even those we do not like? Did we honor them? So honor is a biblical term for respect, esteem, high regard, and reward. Honor and respect were two attributes that were highly esteemed in this culture, especially honor and respect for one's position, for one's title, and authority. Honor and respect for first century citizens had more to do with status and positional authority than with honoring others by exhibiting good behavior and character. So Peter encourages them. He says, For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your pretext, your freedom as a pretext for evil. Say the rest with me. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So Peter says, for the Lord's sake... For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution. It's interesting to note that several other translations use the word submit in place of accept. Both have value here. I think we first have to accept the authority of every human institution before we can submit to it. And one of the ways we honor everyone is by accepting and submitting to their authority when we come under it. For many of this, many of us, this goes totally against the grain. I know it has for me. That word submit is just a bad word. I don't even want to say it. Get that out of the vocabulary. Who put that in there? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but this means both those we agree with and those we don't agree with, we're called to submit to accept their authority. So a question is, for instance, do we honor the president? And I'm talking about Obama. Or do we slander him? Do we honor him even when we don't agree with him? You know, we can disagree with someone and still honor them. Do we honor our boss? Do we honor our teachers? Do we honor our parents? Peter goes on to say why this is important. For it is God's will that by doing right, by honoring everyone, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. We do that when we're not bashing others, when we're not tearing others down and subverting their authority. As servants of God, live as free people. We have so much freedom in this country, right? We have freedom of speech, so many other freedoms. Yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil, to tear down and destroy, 
There's too much of that going on in our time. This is not easy to do. Just imagine for a moment if Christians everywhere began to find ways to honor everyone. See, we can find constructive and productive ways to have our voice heard and to disagree with others that do not tear them down and do not destroy. We as God's servants can choose to do what, was, what is right, and that includes accepting and submitting to all human authority, even when we don't agree with it. The only exception would be if we're being asked to do something that would cause us to sin. Submission is hard, and it's pleasing to God. That through our good behavior, by accepting and submitting to the human authorities over us, that those who do not know Christ will give glory to God on the day when he comes. That is the punchline, winning souls for God so that they may see our honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. It is very difficult to win people for Jesus when we are dishonoring to those around us. It's very difficult to win people for Jesus when we're dishonoring to those around us. People are watching our behavior. They're watching what we say. They're watching what we post, post on Facebook. People are watching. Honor everyone. That was totally outside the box because honor was about position, title, and authority, and it was meant for a select few. And now honor is something that should be given to everyone just because they're people. People who have been created in the image and likeness of God. Christ died for all. At the time Peter wrote this letter, there were an estimated 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, which Asia Minor was a part of. This message was that all people were valuable to God. This was radical in a land and time where so many people were being exploited and oppressed, especially women, servants, and slaves. In that time, women, servants, and slaves were considered possessions. They had very little to, to no rights. Peter's message is that people should be honored, not possessed. He goes on to say, love the family of believers. Peter is telling them to unconditionally love all believers. This means loving all believers regardless of class, position, or title. This message was especially radical for those who were in positions of authority. Now for us, for example, you know, a question we might ask ourselves is, do we honor the janitor the same way we honor our boss? He goes on to say, fear God. Not that we're to be afraid of God, but instead we have this reverent awe for God. God who knows our situations and our trials. God who is on the throne and is working out all things for our greatest good, even when we don't see it. God alone is to be worshipped. Honor the emperor. This was, this was another very radical statement because at this time, the emperor at that time was most likely Nero, who was very corrupt 
and very cruel, um, even to Christians, very cruel. Peter then goes on to give some specific advice to slaves, household servants who had sold themselves to work to pay off debts. They had some freedom, at least they had enough freedom to be part of a church, but nonetheless they were still subject to their masters. And here's what he tells them. Slaves, accept the authority of your masters with all deference. Not only those who are kind and gentle, but also those who are harsh. For it is a credit to you if, being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. If you endure when you are beaten for doing wrong, what credit is that? But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. Say the rest with me. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. So Christianity was a very small minority at this time. Peter was clearly for the household servants. He did not address the institution of slavery. He advised them to accept the authority of their masters with all respect, even those masters who were harsh. One commentator pointed out um, that this was not the time for a minority religion to fight the oppressive forces that were around them. Essentially, he's saying it's better to do what is right and to suffer for it. So we should entrust ourselves to the one in the end who judges justly, and that is God. When we do that, we will have God's approval. He encourages them that Christ suffered for them and that they and we should follow Jesus' Jesus's example. He, Jesus, committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. <clears throat> when he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins we might live for righteousness, by his wounds, you have been healed. Say the rest with me. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. This is a really tough teaching, even for us today. We live in a, a society that is full of entitlement. We believe we're entitled to this. We have a right to that. We're not servants subject to masters like Peter's audience, but we are subject to those in authority around us. We're subject to the authorities, to our bosses, our parents, our teachers, etc. Following the example of Christ, when we are mistreated, it is not easy. It's not easy to do that. Now, I just want to say this does not mean that God wants us to stay in abusive situations where power and authority are used unjustly. 
It does, however, mean that in those situations, we are called not to return abuse for abuse. So I'm going to say that again. This does not mean that God wants us to stay in abusive situations. That is not his will for us, where power and authority are used unjustly. It does mean, however, in those situations, we're called not to return abuse for abuse. We have a choice on how we respond. When Jesus suffered, he did not threaten. He bore our sins on the cross so that we might live for righteousness. He entrusted himself to God. What does it look like for us to live for righteousness and to not have any deceit in our mouths when it comes to unjust, unfair, or just plain poor. We all have them, poor officials, poor politicians, poor spouses, bosses, parents, and teachers. What does it look like for us to have no deceit in our mouth? Now, Peter next speaks to wives. And I just want to do a little disclaimer here. I almost said to Alan and Carrie, I'm not going to preach this message. This is a hard message. It is a hard message for wise husbands, for all of us to submit. Um, I'm thankful that I did, though, because God really spoke to my heart through this. So next, Peter speaks to wives. Husbands in that culture were always in a position of authority. Wives, although they had slightly higher status, than servants and slaves, they were still nonetheless considered property. So Peter says, wives in the same way, accept the authority of your husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by their wives' conduct when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Do not adorn yourself outwardly by braiding your hair and by wearing gold ornaments or fine clothing. Rather, let your adornment be the inner self with the lasting beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in God's sight. So Peter begins saying to wives, in the same way, referring to the other examples that he's given already, Referring to that, he says, honor your husbands and accept their authority so that those who do not believe or obey the word may be won over by their wives, by our good conduct. So the focus of Peter's advice, again, it's winning unbelieving husbands for Christ. And that should be our focus as well. If we have unbelieving spouses, we need to ask ourselves, how can we win them over by our conduct? Now, a special disclaimer for any wives, and sometimes husbands, I know husbands are abused too, for any wives that are being abused, I just want to say this does not mean staying in abusive households. There are ways that we can honorably remove ourselves from harm, 
from the abuse and still before our marriage if and when our husbands are willing to get help. So that is not God's desire. So the question for us is, do we allow Christ to shine through us to our husbands, to our spouses, by honoring them the way God would have us honor them? And when they see the purity and the reverence of our lives, they may come to also know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is the message today, honoring others by pointing them to Christ. Finally, Peter gives some advice to the husbands. And he says, husbands, in the same way, show consideration for your wives in your life together, paying honor to the woman as the weaker sex, since they too are also heirs of the gracious gift of life. Say the rest with me. So that nothing may hinder your prayers. Peter gives some radical advice to husbands. Again, he says, in the same way, with the examples I've already given, honor your wives, show consideration for your wives and your life together, paying honor to them as the weaker sex. Although in the first century it was taught that women were inferior to men, Peter really meant here that women are the weaker vessel, meaning weaker in strength. Peter is saying to husbands to honor them as they are equal spiritual heirs of this gracious gift of life. This was totally radical during that time because women were not heirs of anything Husbands are to honor their wives as spiritual equals so that nothing would hinder their prayers. He's essentially saying, husbands, if you treat your wives as inferior or not right, your prayers will not be heard. So I asked my husband, Dave, how he honors me. <laughs> now, before I tell you how he responded, I want to say it always has not been this way. Back in 2005, it was revealed by the Holy Spirit that, revealed to me by the Holy Spirit, he knew about it that he had a pornography addiction. And that was not honoring to our marriage, to me. Um, and by God's help, he did give me permission to share this, by the way. By God's help, he has become free from that addiction. Praise the Lord. He has set up uh, accountability structures even on our computer there's this like thing that says you know it prevents you from going to certain websites and things like that and um and because of him the healing that has been received there's been healing in our marriage 
Um, and I'm so grateful and thankful that God brought this out into the light because there was a wall between us, and it was called pornography. So here's how he responded. This is 11 years later. Dave responded by saying that he does not objectify me. He has great regard for me and my opinions. He respects me, admires me, he cherishes me as his wife. He does not speak down to me, and he is true to me, meaning that I am the desire of his attention. He does not look lustfully at other women or view pornography anymore. In fact, he turns his attention away from other women, including turning his head from the TV when Victoria's Secret commercials come on and things like that. Um, I can honestly say that my experience of him is that he does, in fact, honor me and cherish me, and he has high esteem and high regard for me. And I'm so thankful to that. It's been very healing. And I know that he does that out of his love for God and his love for me. Now, on the other hand, my honor of him is more of a work in progress. I've actually learned a lot from his example. That is by the love, the patience, the generosity that he gives me. He teaches me how to honor him by the way he honors me. So in that area, I'm learning with God's help to really follow his lead. It's not easy. My past history with men has been far from honoring and has made it challenging. Add to that my independent nature from being a single parent for so many years where I tried to fulfill both roles. So a challenge today here for all the married people. We challenge you to take an inventory of how well we each honor our own spouses. Be honest. I acknowledge I have more work to do in this area. Ask God for help. And if there's things that we need, where we need support or accountability from other people, if there's pornography issues, you can talk to Dave and Pastor Allen and others. Um, and things for wives, whatever it is, there's, there's help. So please don't struggle with this on your own. And for those who have unbelieving spouses, ask how we can be a good witness to them by honoring them, honoring them the way Christ would have us honor them. What does that look like? <clears throat> Think about it. These are really important questions. For all of us, the challenge is to be honoring to everyone. So take an inventory of your own honor 
It could be the honoring of your own children or children in general. How do you honor women, men, rich, poor, young, old, people of all ages, nations, and races? Do we honor everyone? Everyone is valuable in God's eyes. Everyone is valued in God's eyes. And one way we honor everyone is by accepting their human authority for the various roles in our lives. Except when to do so would cause us to sin or put us in dangerous or abusive situations. We follow the example of Christ who bore our sins on the cross so that we could be free to live for righteousness. When we live for righteousness, we honor others. We honor others through our good behavior, and at times we honor others through our suffering. We follow Christ's example. And when we do that, we point others to God. That's the whole point of this. Our honoring behavior points people to God. So that on the day when he returns, God, those people that you showed honor to, they will turn and they will give God glory. Honoring everyone is about following Jesus' example and winning souls for Christ. We cannot win souls for Christ when we're dishonoring. So let's honor everyone. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, this is impossible to honor everyone without a relationship with Christ. It just, it doesn't work. So I just want to say to anybody, if you do not know Christ in your heart, I invite you to really, like, if you're at that point and you're ready, I invite you to invite Christ in. We cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit, who then will come and indwell us when we receive him. And it's so easy to do it. We just have to say, Jesus, I believe in you. Not here in my head, in my heart. I believe in you. And I want you to come into me, Lord. I want your Holy Spirit Help me. We need his help to be honoring. You know, if this is you today and you're ready to invite Jesus in, there are a lot of folks back there in the prayer corner, Steve and Debbie and Esther and Sue. You know, please go back and talk to somebody. If you want to pray about anything, please do that. Inviting Jesus into your heart can be, it is, the best thing you could ever do, the best decision you could ever make. So let's be honoring this week. Let's take on the challenge. Let's live it, let's believe it, let's pray. Holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, we love you. Lord, we lift up all the concerns of our hearts. Lord, if anybody's heart is like beating out there like really fast because they're like, I really want to receive you, Jesus, in my heart today, and I'm scared, I just pray that you would, they would just open their heart and say, okay, Jesus, I, I receive you. 
Lord, we thank you for your example of how you honored everyone and there was no deceit in your mouth. You did not return abuse. You did not threaten. Lord, help us, strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit to tame and quiet our mouth so that we will be able to honor everyone and see everyone as a precious child of God. Lord, we thank you, and we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with